What's up, hockey fans, and welcome back to the Good Goal Podcast. This is episode 22. My name is Christian Brady, coming to you from Foxborough, Massachusetts. On my computer screen right there in orange is Matt T.R. He's in Clemson, South Carolina. Matt, how's your week going? Why don't you divulge on your week? Uh, it's busy. Um, I got in a car accident. Stella's, Stella's probably done. Well, let's hope uh, let's hope Stella's not done. And if she is done, then hopefully somebody pays for a new Stella. Yeah, uh, hopefully the guy who ran a red light and just T-boned me pays for a new Stella. But um, other than that, I'm just overwhelmed with schoolwork because I hate this Zoom university. But me too, me too. Well, best part about Zoom is doing this podcast. So that's right. Hopefully, you can I all see not. our energy on YouTube. Why don't we get right into it, huh? Okay. Okay, sounds good. We got a trade. I know we said we weren't going to talk too much about trade, but we have a trade, so we're just going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> the Blues acquire from the Canadians a 2023rd round pick and a 2027th round pick for Jake Allen and a 2022 seventh round pick. They gave that up to the Habs. Without getting too much into this, because I know we're going to be looking for things to talk about, Matt, as the – season winds down um the canadians are obviously in it now like they're in it to win it next year they have a uh you know they have they were like playing with house money in this playoffs and now they've taken what they've done they're attempting to build on it by getting jake allen who is the guy as you made your transition nice and smooth Jake Allen will now be the guy to try to relieve Carey Price of his perpetual duty of playing 65 to 70 games in an 82-game season every year because that's what the Canadians do to have any chance of making the playoffs. With Jake Allen, he can take the load off a little bit, hopefully play well enough to be a 1A to Carey Price, but at the least he'll play well enough to tread water through 25, 30 games if he can do that. And – uh, Carey Price will be fresh for the playoffs as he was this year, and we saw how well he could carry a team that frankly was not built for a playoff run and help them make one, at least a little one. Um, and now they're able to build on the core that they've acquired, that they've built, and it starts with Jake Allen at the back end. I think it's a good move, and it shows where they are as a team. Jake Allen's getting up there. So they're looking right now. They're trying to get into this next soon. And I think it's good for them. I appreciate your podcast while I move from my room to the living room because my Wi-Fi is garbage, as they say in French. Um, yeah. A third-round pick for Jake Allen because they swapped seventh-round picks. Um, I'm trying to see Jake Allen's age. Um sitting here because Jake Allen's only 30 years old, which is awesome. Um, he's been in the league, it seems like, forever. He was kind of the Blues guy, and then he wasn't the Blues guy, mm-hmm. and then he was, and then Bennington kind of stole stole the spot from him. So like you said, um, kind of a 1A guy uh, behind Carey Price because nobody in the league is going to start over Carey Price if Carey Price is healthy. But him not playing 65 games is massive, especially for a mm-hmm. playoff run. And Jake Allen, as 
NHL 20 would call him, he's a fringe starter. So he's not good enough to be a franchise guy, but he could definitely win you 15 out of the 30 games he plays, which is good enough to make the playoffs. So. Exactly. Yep. So that's all they need, and that's what they got. I like the – I think it shows aggressiveness from the Canadians. I think it's not the last move they make this offseason. But as short as it's going to be, it's going to be action-packed. We haven't even talked about that, how fun this offseason is going to be, because team guys are going to have, like, literally 10 days if they're in free agency this offseason, to sign with a new team, which means it's going to rattle off like crazy. Yeah, we're going to have plenty to talk about this offseason. But let's move on because we still got season going on, and it's been so exciting. Um, the season that is now coming to an end, um, there's two awards that have been announced, and then obviously the next ones will be coming. Uh, the King Clancy Memorial Trophy, which is the, the trophy for leadership on and off the ice, that was awarded to Matt Dumba. Obviously, Matt Dumba, part of the now famous uh, Hockey Diversity Alliance uh, that he co-founded with Anton Carter. He also worked in Minneapolis helping small businesses rebuild uh, after the riots, COVID relief donations, Australian bushfire relief donations. This is just part of the small blurbs that was given when they chose him. Uh, obviously, we know that he's been vocal on social media. He's been giving speeches. He's very well-spoken. Uh, he's done a great job with, obviously, so many things have happened in the past three months, and he's done such a great job being a leader in those things, so fitting that he wins this award. Um, yeah, winning this award is kind of an understatement for all he's done in the past several months. Um, I think co-founding – Anthony Carter is another guy who's been outspoken. Um, good on him. He's a, he was an excellent player. He's an excellent commentator. Um, Very good. I love listening to him. Yeah, him and Patrick Sharp uh, and Liam McHugh and Intermission, it doesn't get any better than that. No, um, they're in very any good. Sports. Yeah. Uh, so him and Matt Dumba doing this, uh, working together and co-founding this diversity alliance is awesome for the sport of hockey. Um, obviously, hockey is one of those sports that lacks diversity. But guys like P.K. Subban have been trying to change that um, with donating – millions of dollars and fundraising millions of dollars to get hockey in um, areas where there is a lot of diversity. So good on them. And I'm, and I'm excited for the future of this sport uh, when it Definitely. comes to that aspect. Definitely. That's well said. Uh, we'll move right on to the Bill Masterson trophy, the so-called comeback player of the year for perseverance and all that kind of stuff. And this one goes to Bobby Ryan. Obviously, we know the story of Bobby Ryan. Um, he overcame alcohol abuse over the past season and off season and mental health struggles. We remember his first game back, he had a hat trick, but he actually had a pretty good year afterwards, uh, putting up some good numbers on a not a very good team in Ottawa. So that's a great story. Obviously, Oscar Lindblom was also a one of the finalists for this award. His comeback coming in the playoffs, I don't know how they really – do that like how that really factors in because I know in other awards the playoffs don't really factor this is mm -hmm. obviously an except this is a different award so maybe there's an exception but either way both of those guys guys enjoy it I mean um sorry deserve it and Bobby Ryan's a great story so congratulations to him for winning this award and most importantly for overcoming everything he had to overcome yeah if you haven't seen his acceptance speech they kind of did it like over zoom uh go watch it it's a tearjerker. It's uplifting. 
Um, especially, you know, I've been around mental health awareness um, recently, and it's just, it's exciting to see someone go through that and make it out uh, as I've been very vocal on this podcast and the other podcast, my favorite boxer is Tyson Fury because he did the same thing. You know, he, he was going through it mentally, psychologically, he was gaining 390, 400 pounds. He came back and won the heavyweight title of the world. It's kind of the same story. Um, he said, you know, every day it gets easier. Uh, he wakes up and he thanks his wife and his kid for saving his life essentially. So, um, I'm happy for him. I, I think he's deserved. Um, Oscar Lindblom and the other candidate were also deserved, but mm -hmm. I'm, you know, good on him for winning it. Absolutely. So the other awards will be announced in the coming weeks, and then the biggest ones will be revealed during the Stanley Cup, uh, probably by Doc Emmerich or Eddie Olchek, whoever's there. So that'll be cool. That's an added bonus to the Stanley Cup. But Let's not get ahead of ourselves because round two just concluded. We'll start in the West with our recaps, the number one seed. And again, the seeds are at the beginning of the playoffs before the qualifying round, just for, you know, whatever. For cool Number reasons. one, Vegas Golden Knights versus the number seven Vancouver Canucks. The Knights took a 3-1 lead. Vancouver battled back, but Vegas won in game seven. 4-3 win for Vegas. They advanced to the Western Conference Finals for the second time in three years as a franchise. First time Unbelievable. ever. What's that? First it's time first ever, time ever that someone's made two Conference Finals in their first three years. Yeah, I mean, that's not surprising to me at all. Uh, but the story that I wanted to address out of these playoffs was giving Thatcher Demko the recognition that he deserves you smile. I don't know why, but I think it might be because he is a Boston College guy. You know, I call I follow college. That's hockey. not why I'm smiling. But. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, actually, I do know why you're smiling, and I'll let you mention it after this. But Thatcher Demko played games six and seven. He allowed, I think, one goal against Matt. If you correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. At least, um, no, that's either way. Either way. Either way. Oh, well, he had a shutout. He had a shutout in his first game or his second game ever. In his first game, he had like 48 saves. So yeah, yeah, right. So that's that's a story um, from California. He's a Team USA guy uh, on the rise. Is Team USA? Uh, he's has a great future in this league. Probably not with Vancouver, as they have Jacob Markstrom. He's also a young goalie. Uh, both of them in their mid 20s. So. But Thatcher Demko, Boston College guy, uh, lived in my city for four years. Congratulations to him. Matt, explain why you're smiling, because there is a story to come from this that involves a fine. Um, I hope you know what I'm talking about. No, what are you talking okay. about? Okay, okay. Vancouver Canucks were fined, I think, $25,000 for sneaking a stripper into the bubble for Thatcher Demko after his game six win. Uh, what? That's alleged. That's alleged. Uh, I didn't even, heard, I, I didn't even hear Instagram. about this. Saw it on Instagram, but I'm 75% sure that it happened. Um, anyway, so I guess that those are the only repercussions they're going to face. But 
funny. Now, I'm smiling because this guy that no one's ever heard of comes in and has 48 saves in a win, and then the next game, uh, in the second game ever, has like 46 saves in a shutout to force a game seven against the number one seed. Um, I, and I thought it was awesome after Vegas won game seven um, in the handshake line. I, I mean, it was everybody on the Vegas team without exception was like, bro, unbelievable. Like, you might be the future of this league. Like, you can watch it. Mark Stone was first in line, and when he got to Demko, he just shook his head. Like, what? Um, so, g- good for this kid. Uh, I really wanted Vancouver to win because I had a tweet that was going to send Good Goal Podcast into the stratosphere. It was going to go viral. It's a video from Yes Man where he's like, it was either you or Demko, and they went with Demko. And I was going to say, like, the hockey gods picking between Flurry or – Demko, but Demko lost, so I couldn't tweet it. It wasn't that funny. But, um, God, it would have been so good. We'd, I mean, we'd be making millions right now off that. Yeah, I know. Already, yeah. Uh, You're, right. You're um, right. That's a shame. So, but the story is I'm wrong about this series. I said Vancouver couldn't even hang with Vegas, and they forced a game seven with a, like, third-string goalie. So, but good for Vegas. Yep. Well, you had it right in the win, and in the end, that's all that matters. If you were a betting man, you'd be richer. Uh, you're not really a betting man. You're a little bit of a betting man. I'm slowing but it down anyways, because I keep losing. You only bet like $3 a night, though. I don't think you're yeah, going to Yeah, I did like $3. I did a seven-game parlay, and the Islanders ruined it last night. So. Yeah, so I picked Vegas in six. Um so I guess we're both pretty much right on that one. Uh, good on us. Go. Good picks there. But, yeah, Vancouver did a great job fighting back in this series. We'll leave it at that because we have another round to talk about. But let's move on to the number two seed, Colorado Avalanche, against the number three seed, Dallas Stars. Dallas took a 3-1 lead, but Colorado said that they weren't done yet. Forced the game seven. Dallas won game seven, four to three. Um, the story I have out of this series is, again, the goaltending, common theme. Pavel Francois, Francoula, however you say it, he entered game one um, after Grubauer got hurt. He played in game one, two, and three, and then was pulled in game four from Michael Hutchinson, who finished the series. Um, probably pulled due to injury because he was unfit to play in the next games. Uh, but Michael Hutchinson played well after that, and it's another another. I mean, this is our second backup in this series, so it's just another story of goaltenders getting hurt. Not many other players have gotten hurt or have been benched that are extremely notable, but there have been a lot of goaltending changes. Uh, just something interesting about these playoffs. Well, if there was ever a team that had notable injuries that probably cost them the series, it's Colorado. Uh, They were Mm -hmm. without Eric Johnson, Matt Calvert, um, Landeskog was hurt, Grubauer. I mean, the list goes on for them. So Colorado, I think with a full healthy team, Nathan McKinnon even said it after they lost. He would have loved to have seen what this team could have done with a full healthy team, but he's excited because most of them are coming back next season. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the best game of the playoffs so far. I mean, back and forth. 
Colorado takes a lead with four minutes left in the game, and everyone's like, oh, it's over. Dallas scores 10 seconds later to tie it. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was electric. Yep, and then the game went into OT. And did it end early in second OT, Matt, if I'm remembering correctly? Yeah, it was like four minutes in. Colorado got a – they were tired. They ended up getting a line change, but Dallas had already taken advantage in the zone. Mm -hmm. Um, Kadri was out of position, which good. If anybody in the league deserves to be out of position, it's Nazim Kadri because he's the dirtiest player ever. Yeah. So – (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, we've made our thoughts clear about Nathan Kadri on this program. Uh, another story out of this out of this series is Hudobin and Bishop. Ben Bishop emerged from his cave to play in Game Five, but it was short-lived. He played 13 minutes before getting pulled after four goals against. Other than that, it's been all Hudobin. Uh, after that game, Bishop. After that game, I thought. Colorado, it wasn't even going to be close. I thought Colorado was coming back winning this series in a landslide because they put up five goals in the first period. Um, but Kudovan played well. Um, he didn't overexert himself, um, didn't play sloppy, and obviously kept it together in OT. But against this unbelievably talented Colorado team, even with, you know, players injured. Their power play is lethal. Um, they have the best. Nathan McKinnon should win the con Smythe regardless because he has like 25 points in 13 mm. playoff games. Um, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, he might lead the playoffs in points even after the Stanley yeah. Cup is over. I know. So, yeah. But good for Dallas. Um, you know. Yep. And cool. uh, Dallas coach Rick Bonus. Uh, this would have been a significant error on his part. I mean, I think it still is, but if they had lost the series, it probably could have been traced back to this. Hudobin led the team to a 3-1 lead, and in game five, with a chance to close up the series, he decided to change things up. Um, We talked about this last week, and I noted that you you always want to play to win the game. Um, I think we were addressing goalies playing on back-to-back and starting, uh, you know, a less good goaltender. That was an awful way to say that. Good job on your English. But players starting their – teams starting their backup goalies on back-to-backs because they feel they have, uh, you know, games to play with. Um, In this case, it seems like – Bonus saw game five with a 3-1 lead as an opportunity to try out the goalie who had been hurt coming back from injury, Ben Bishop, who is their number one. Uh, He thought it was a good opportunity to try him out, and it really turned the tide to the series. They were able to hang on – well, I guess not hang on, but come back and win game seven to eke out of the series in overtime. But that easily could have been the first domino to fall if they had lost this series. So, I mean, good for Rick Bonus that it didn't happen, but Ben Bishop played awfully in those 13 minutes, and that's, I would assume that's the last game he sees in these playoffs. Yeah, maybe in a Dallas uniform, the way Q-Dobin's playing. Um, the last thing I want to say about this series is I thought it was – it's not funny, but it's interesting that I texted you, like, I wonder what Jim Montgomery's thinking right now that Dallas won game seven overtime, they're going to the conference finals. Like, he's not 
he got removed due to an unfortunate situation and like alcoholism. And obviously we wish him the best, but I mean, he had Dallas Roland when he got relieved of his duties. So could they have been in the same situation with Jim Montgomery at the helm is like a good question. Um, and I, I would love to hear his thoughts on how the team's playing. Yeah. And we remember that it was left open-ended that they said that they were not, Jim Montgomery said that he was not closing the book on his career and Dallas indirectly said that they were not closing the book on Jim Montgomery effectively saying, if this guy's back in the league, um, it could be us that he's with. Yeah. So Jim Montgomery, hopefully on the road to recovery and reinstatement into the league, I guess you could say as a head coach, a lot of teams are going to be looking this off season. So maybe he lands somewhere, but yeah, that's a good point where would this team be with Montgomery? And they were playing really well under him. So. And this is also like the fourth team in the last seven years that has an interim coach, like going to the conference finals, which is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. It just, maybe it's a new theme in the NHL where coaches are going to turn over a lot quick, a lot more quickly because. I say if you're president's uh, trophy, just can your coach. Yeah. Because statistics say. You're not going to win it anyway with the President's Trophy. You might as well counterbalance it with an interim oh, coach. That, you take the narrative back. That's a good idea, Matt. Good thinking. Someone hire us. Someone hire us. We got the We've been saying this since town. we started. Someone needs to hire us. Mainly Ottawa because we just need to redo their whole organization. I mean, they got problems with their owner now and wanting to move. and Their president of operations getting fired because he was messing with the charity. I mean, Dude. that organization, top to bottom, is an absolute... Move them back to Hartford. Literally move them to Hartford. They'll be closer They're to They're not me. back, but move them to Hartford. Yeah. All right. Ottawa, hire us. It can't get any worse. What do you have to lose? Pay us $100,000. Dude, pay us like $2 million a year. Give us one year. You know, and if it doesn't work out, exactly. then we can retire. Yeah, exactly. All right. <laughs> Moving on to the East, the number one Philadelphia Flyers versus the number seven New York Islanders. The Islanders won in game seven, four nothing. They went up three one. Philadelphia was able to force a game seven. Um, story from this series, we mentioned it before. Oscar Lindblom made his return. Played well. His first game was in an overtime game. Uh, where he played 17 minutes. So other than that, I don't think he would have if they hadn't gone so deep into overtime. Uh, but awesome story. He looked good. All of his teammates said he was buzzing in practice. Uh, the other story with this, and I just mentioned it briefly, the Flyers won three games in this series, and all three of them were in overtime. Uh, yep. That, I mean, they're a clutch team. It, it's sad that this is the end of their row because, they had a lot of guys who stepped up in overtime, and they really don't have that number one star anymore. It's not Giroux. Giroux has turned into a Selkie-type center, uh, sort of on the sunset of his career. He's still a young guy. Um, I think he's even younger than Bergeron, who's his comp right now. But he's transitioned to that more responsible leader role, and they don't really have a number one goal scorer. I guess maybe Kevin Hayes is up there. Uh, but JVR. JVR. Like everybody but that scores. Everybody chips in on that team, which is a recipe for success. So they're exciting for next year, especially with Carter Hart 
uh, the young goaltender who didn't play amazing in this series, uh, but didn't play awful. He had flashes of greatness, flashes where he looked like a rookie, which he is. So exciting future for him and the team. But this is the end of their season. To flip it's, the script. Uh, I want to point out that it's so weird. Like he is Carter Hart is so hot and cold because two out of the three overtime games. The Flyers gave up three goals in seven minutes to force OT, or the Islanders scored three goals in seven minutes to force OT. And then in game five, they when they lost OT, or they won OT, sorry, the Islanders scored like two goals in four minutes to force OT. And then in overtime, he plays lights out, stick saves, Cross crease saves, like he played like the best goalie in the league. So it was it was so weird that he would. Yeah, it's a good point. He's not hot and cold as it comes like game in and game out. He's hot and cold per minute, like, you know? Six minutes apart. Right. It's like he could fall asleep for a couple minutes and then wake up and he's yeah top ten goalie so... in the world again. It's Yeah. But to keep on the goaltending, I want to flip over to the other side. Um, okay. For the Islanders, because they keep going, so this is a developing story. Uh, a lot of goaltending switches in this game, I mean, in this series. It seems like the Islanders have a not even a 1-1-B. One one they have two number one goaltenders right now, and they uh, – Barry Trotz and Mitch Korn. Did I get it right? Mitch Korn. Yeah. Okay, Barry Trotz and Mitch, Mitch Korn are not – how do I put this? They are being careful in their selection, but they are not committing to a starting goalie. Uh, why don't I just run through the series real quick? Barlamov starts game one, shutout. Starts game two, and he's pulled after 15 minutes and three goals against. Uh, Grice enters, and they come back, but uh, overtime goal for the Flyers. That's their first win. Then back to Varlamov in game three. He wins with one goal against. There's a back-to-back, so Grice plays. Varlamov, Varlamov, and two two um, losses in a row. And then Grice plays game seven after Varlamov gives up five goals in an overtime loss in game six, and he gets a shutout. Um, we'll continue this later after we talk about this series, but spoiler alert, they go with Grice in game one, and guess what he does? He gets pulled. Um, who knows where the Islanders are at right now? I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, I yeah, to that's a good cliffhanger. On this series. You have any more thoughts uh, on this series, Matt? No, I knew the Islanders were going to win. Um, they just they were more physical, and the Flyers, I don't think, mentally had anything for them. Yeah. So. Yep. Okay. The number two Tampa Bay Lightning and the number four Boston Bruins. This should have been the best series in the playoffs. And it wasn't. Tampa just took over. Uh, They played exactly the game they wanted to. They're similar teams, so it kind of felt like one team is going to take control of this series, at least in every game. They're at least going to take care of every game. But Tampa Bay outplayed Boston for probably four and a half games in this five-game series. And, yeah, that's all I got. I'm not so upset as I was when it happened, so I'm glad we had a few days in between. Uh, but the stories from this, before I let you go, Matt, Kucherov injured in game four, did not play game five, but 
back for game one of the next series, so nothing too bad there. He got tangled up with Char and took a mean stick to the face. So he probably has some orbital to bone fracture or something like that in his face, but he's okay. And I think biggest story of this series was Hedman. I think he had four goals. Um, I know he had two goals in game one uh, right at the end of the game. And he just played like 30 minutes a night as he does. Um, watching that series has me convinced that he's one of the best players in the world right now, which he doesn't get enough credit for. Hedman's unbelievable. So everyone pay attention to him in this, in this next series as the playoffs go on because he is a difference maker. All right. Um, I couldn't have been more wrong with the series. I said that uh, Tampa was going to squeak out a win and then Boston was just going to smack him in the face. The game I said that, Tampa won 7-1. to one. Um, Tampa was by far the better team. Unfortunately, I don't know what happened with Boston because four months ago it was reversed. Boston was by far the better team. Tampa had nothing for them. Um, so Kucherov got injured, but as we're going to talk about, it's like he didn't miss a beat because he was the best player on the ice in game one against the Islanders. So mm-hmm. uh, unfortunate, unfortunate for the President's Trophy winners, but if you're a Boston fan, I think you're excited for the future. Um, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what Rash least, is up to. At and, least the immediate future, yeah. We'll get yeah. into that, obviously. Yeah. In the off season, but. All right, let's move on. The conference finals, everybody is now in Edmonton. Everybody is now with their families, which is important um, as families entered the bubble. Yep. And we'll start in the West. So the number one, Vegas Golden Knights against the number three, Dallas Stars. Dallas played textbook Dallas hockey, scored it with 17 minutes remaining in the first period, and that was it. Flurry did start game one, so that's another goaltending story. Robin Leonard didn't play bad in the last series, but um, similar to the Varlamov Bryce situation um, in game five, six, and seven, he was almost part of the defensive core that blew the series, you know? So I guess it makes sense that they go with someone else. Obviously, it's another situation where you have two goalies who would be starting on any other team at this point in the playoffs except for Tampa Bay. Um, so, yeah. It's weird Look that – Look at that going that, forward. Cause, go ahead. It's weird that two teams in the final four are, like, having goalie questions. Like, mm. the key – the key to a Stanley Cup is solid goaltending mm-hmm. and a healthy team. And two out of the – Four teams are like, ah, who are we going with tonight? Um, right. And the other one, other than Tampa Bay in Dallas, maybe not having questions, but it's their backup goalie who's in net. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it really is a crazy year for the goaltender. I think Flurry. I mean, Flurry played great. He just gave up a goal early. And, he um, did. And the goal his, was not at all. He didn't put up any goals for him. Mm-hmm. Um, Kudobin, this is like his third – Shut out this playoffs. He's playing unbelievable. Yeah. Um, are, are we doing predictions, even though we have one game I guess apiece? so. We'll, we'll start with our game two prediction, and then we can see where the series goes from there. Um, I think Vegas is going to win game two. Uh, it's been a 
excuse me, uh, last series, um, every team that won game two lost. Every All four of the series started one and one and also started with the losing team winning game two and evening up the series. Um, so I think the trend continues. I think Vegas wins game one, I mean game two, to tie it at one. Uh, but Dallas is going to end up winning the series and going to the finals, as I predicted. Pat on the back to me. But yeah, also, um, you're still running here. If Colorado is a healthy team, uh, my cup prediction is right. But uh, that's right. I, I forgot. I, I thought you had Vegas going to the finals, but no, you had no. Colorado. Uh, I'm just set outside, and I'm literally in pitch black now. You see this? <laughs> when did that happen? Whatever. Um, game two, I think I have Vegas winning. I think they go with Laner and they, they turn around. It's 1-1. Hmm. I, I say Dallas wins in a seven-game series. I think it's a really that, close series. But they Dallas is playing really well. It's hard to bet against them. Everybody's stepping up for them. So That's interesting that you think they go with Laner. I actually think Flurry's going to get the nod again because he did play so well. I don't think it's um, – DeBoer, I don't think it's – starting the goalie who he, you know, if you lose the game, he's putting it on the goalie and he's like, ah, you lost. You're not playing this game. I think the is probably looking for consistency in any place that he can get it. So I think Flurry starts game two, but I do think they lose and maybe Laner after that. Who see, who knows where this goes, but yeah, game two tonight at eight. So it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, as we're talking, it'll probably be four nothing Vegas by the time you guys are watching this. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, the next series in the East, but not really in the East. It's actually in the West, but it is the Eastern Conference. Number two, Tampa Bay Lightning versus the number seven, New York Islanders. Tampa trounced the Isles in game one. Understatement. Yeah, they were the better team from puck drop to the final buzzer. Wasn't even close at any point. Uh, Tomas Grice started game one. Pulled between 10 and 20 minutes into the game after three goals against. Game two tomorrow, so many question marks, but it has to be Varlamov who gets a start. Um, and New York, I think, has to win this game to win the series. Tampa, such a good front-running team. I mean, we've seen them run up the score many, many times in this playoff. So it just shows you how well they play with the lead. I would assume that translates to playing well with the lead in the series, yeah, I think the New York Islanders need to win this game to win the series. And the first game was so run and gun for the first few minutes, even though it got out of hand pretty quickly. The New York Islanders just can't keep up that way. They're a physical team who needs to slow the game down, you know, play with the lead, play physically and defensively, and they are not able to do that when Tampa Bay just takes the puck and starts going up and down the ice, skating circles around them. It's just not the game that they're made to play. So they need to get control of the pace, and if they do, they'll have a chance to win. So who are you going with tomorrow? Tomorrow I'm going to pick the Islanders just because that's what I want to have, and I want this to be interesting. But, yeah, the Islanders have to slow it down or else they have no chance. Who wins the series? I got to go with Tampa. I want the Islanders to win, but I have to go with Tampa. In six. Okay. 
Um, I I 100% agree with you. If Tampa wins tomorrow, it's over. Um, the fat lady singing. Um, the Islanders, Barry Trotz knows how to beat this team. He did it in 18. This is, this is the reason why I'm wearing the hat. Um, they're a fast team. They're the most talented team on paper, maybe in NHL history. And how yeah. you beat them is board battles, and you just beat the hell out of them um, in open ice. I mean, you gotta you gotta be super physical against this team. Last night, Tampa just skated around them. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't even fair. The the Islanders were using the boards just to clear the puck. Uh, they couldn't even get anything going in center ice or the neutral zone. Um, yeah, uh, if the Islanders. I'm going with Tampa and five because I, I see the I, I see Tampa win tomorrow and then it's just it's over. Yeah, the Islanders they might, take... might get one in desperation, but the, the way Tampa played last night, it's hard to pick against them. They're the best team in hockey. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, they get, the Islanders have to take a page out of Dallas's book, get the lead, and then suffocate. You know, and that's what they want to do. That's what they did against uh, Philly. Even though they had some come from behind wins, uh, there were a lot of wins, two, three, four, nothing, where they just get the lead and that's it. That's the end of the game. Um, and that's how it's got to go. And like you said, you said it well. You have to win the puck battles. Every 50-50 puck has to be yours. Uh, and you got to take advantage of your opportunities. But you're right. It's just Tampa just seems unbeatable right now. They have the best goalie in the world. Um, they have the best player in the world, maybe the best two players in the world, in Kucherov and Hedman, there's an argument to be made there. Um, well, currently they have to... currently they have the reigning Hart Trophy winner and the reigning Vesna winner, and then Hedman, who's a finalist for the Norse. So, um, like I said, on paper they're the most talented team ever. It's it's unbelievable. And if the Islanders don't stay out of the box, it's over. I mean, this power play is. Lethal is an understatement. How good this power play is! Definitely, there's a there's a long to do to to do list for the New York Islanders in this series, but they've shown they can handle stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so don't put them to bed yet. But you're right, Tampa just seems unbeatable right now. I hope that we are looking bad by the next episode, because it means that the Islanders have made this interesting. But that's all we got for this episode. Hopefully by next episode we're previewing two game sevens, but I don't see that happening. I agree. Totally agree with you. Um, So these these are going to be drawn out every other night, so it's possible that these series don't end until sometime by next Friday, something like that. Yeah. But hopefully that's the case. We want to see as much hockey as we can before this short offseason, before more hockey. So What's crazy is – me and you are going to be together for Clemson football and the Stanley Cup finals. So crazy, crazy. I mean, the heaven fall, I guess I'll call it sports heaven fall is upon us. I mean, we got college football and NFL starting this weekend. And then the masters and us open are all within a span of two months. In October, Major USC fights coming up. Yeah, you in the Stanley Cup Finals. Mike Tyson is fighting at some point. Who oh, knows God. why, but Stop. he is. Stop. Uh, <laughs> everything's happening. Everything's happening. So perfect weather for golf. 
So we're going to be in Clemson, in sunny Clemson, South Carolina. At least it'll be sunny for the next couple months before it it rains for the entire winter somehow. Every day ever. (laughs) Yeah, but we're excited to be doing this in person again. Uh, The lights are turning out on me. I should have got up to turn my own lights. I'm literally in the dark right now. You're good. I'll let you go. But that's all we got. We can't wait to watch more hockey. We'll be back at you guys the same time next week. Go Tigers. Peace. Go Tigers.